welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. What was the weirdest thing you ate? Um, Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> and uh, for all the 18-year-olds who don't know what that is and just got their mission call to Kansas, what is it? It's uh, bull balls. Bull testicle, that's yeah. right. <laughs> do, do you eat that with barbecue sauce or how do you? Yeah, mine was deep fried, you know, and and I ate a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then they told they, me what they it told was. me to stop. Oh, it was like it's a, it tastes oh, like a chicken no. nugget. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like these from McDonald's are great. Welcome back. It's Jordan and Zach, and today we're joined by Mark McKellar, who won a pancake eating contest <laughs> on his mission. Yep. I always send out a questionnaire to everyone on how do they want to be introduced, and this was so unique. Mark, could you tell us about this contest? A, pan- yeah. a pancake eating contest. <laughs> yeah. It was about eight months into my mission, and this area was called Liberal Kansas. And this is where they say that the Wizard of Oz took place. Like, they they really flaunted. They have a lot of museums there. And one of the weird traditions of that town is uh, Pancake Day. <laughs> like and a whole day, like a holiday. Have, does that yeah. have anything to do with the Wizard of Oz, or is it just Pancake like Day? Like kids are out of school? Uh, kids are out of school. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, what they do is they have all these women dress up like super old, like pioneer type. It's not affiliated with the church or anything. And what they have to do is they have to hold a pancake in a pan and do like, a, I think it's like a half or, a, uh, yeah, it's like a quarter mile uh, sprint. With a pancake. With a pancake. With a pancake in the pan. Yeah. And it's like February of the of this time of year. So and it's cold. It's freezing. Kansas, and, yeah. uh, but like. Local politicians come like from the state of Kansas and watch it. It's like a big deal. And one of the things that they have that you could do is uh, it was actually eating contest. It was who could eat five pancakes the fastest. That's still a contest. Yeah. It wasn't as many as you could, but yeah, I won it. How how big are these pancakes? Uh, They were not very big. They were more like the McDonald's size. Okay. That's still, you know, small, like a small saucer. Yeah, my my companion claims that he beat me, but he he was like a second uh, after I finished. And could you drink milk, or could you, or was it just as yeah? Fat? Oh, you could. Okay. Yeah, but I just I just I just slid him down. I didn't even like dip him. I just like swallow. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the sound effects, Kobayashi. Yeah. yeah. What was how how many people were in this contest? Uh, there was about they I do think like ten like, at a time or whatever. Yeah, it was like it was like ten or twenty or something like that, and they took like the best score. Was it televised? I uh, know, I was just kidding. but I was I was in the I was in the the magazine of it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Were you in your full on like yeah shirt and tie and uh-huh. badge and everything? That's and I awesome. A, I got a trophy too and everything. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Awesome. I was that, like represent. Dude, that's quite the intro. And then something else about Mark that you might want to know about is Mark is also a gym owner. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, we our gym is called RX Fit. It is a CrossFit affiliated gym. Where uh, at? It's in Provo and Springville, Utah. We have a gym in each of those cities and um, been doing it for a little over three years. And I actually started, uh, my knowledge of CrossFit started on my mission. Really? Our mission president was 
really cool guy. He won the CrossFit Games. Yeah, <laughs> he was pretty jacked. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but he his kind of approach to working on the mission was, I want to still work out as well. And so um, he said, it's fine if you guys do it as well. Just make sure you're home on time for all your scheduling and studies and stuff like that. So we, we had a gym on and off throughout my mission. And then, yeah, I kind of got big on my mission as everyone does. And I just big as an overweight. Yeah. Like, I probably gained like, you know, 10, 15 pounds and I did not want to go home huge. You know, I want to go home better looking yeah, than I yeah, came. Yeah. So we found a CrossFit gym, my last area, and we were on really good titus with our Bishop and he was pretty well off. I'm just going to be fully transparent. And he offered to pay for the membership really for me and my companion and two other elders. And there was a few members that would go work out with us in the morning too. So that's how I started. And it was, it was like a real type of old rugged CrossFit gym. It was uh -huh. like that, like the box, you know, this guy made everything by hand. Really? He's that's a huge cool. bodybuilder and the workouts were super, super hard, but you know, that's kind of where it all that's, started. That's where the love started. Yeah. Anyways. So let's, let's talk about your mission. You served in Kansas. What was the full name of your mission? Uh, Kansas, Wichita mission. And you were unique. Did you leave after the age change? You could leave at 18 years old. The age change happened October of 2012. And then I left May of 13. Okay. So I was kind of like the first, I guess, kind of wave. High school. High wave. school wave. Yeah. yeah Cause y'all had, y'all had graduated by then. Right. Yeah. And so when I, when I had my mission or when I was turning my papers, I thought I'll just put my availability date as soon as possible just to like, cause I, you know, I didn't have really have a plan and I just thought, you know, the Lord will tell me when to go kind of approach, you know, I'm going to give him full free range of when I should go. So you get your mission call and it's six days after you graduate from high school, Yeah, which you, you weren't expecting. You're, you're the youngest of seven children and have never been away from home. What impact did that have on you getting the mission call and like one day you're in high school and the next week? Okay, let's, let's break that down. Less yeah. than a week after you graduate high school, you're gone. Right. Like not even. <laughs> yeah. It didn't hit me. You know, it, it didn't really hit me that I was going to be gone for two years because so much stuff was going on. I had this little girlfriend, you know, okay, this was, this was a deadline. So graduation was Thursday night. You know, you have like the all night graduation party that they, that the high school puts on, uh, that Saturday I, uh, go through the temple. Oh my gosh. That Sunday, give the farewell. Monday was kind of saying bye to people. Tuesday got set apart. And then Wednesday. Oh, so, so it's like, it, I wouldn't even say it's a week. You're like, as soon as you graduated, it's like, okay, you're going on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard. And I think the thing that hit me the hardest was I just didn't really fully realize what going on a mission was going to all entail. Like nobody does. So I was kind of like having this great time, like all these, you know, goodbyes and graduation parties and then go on the mission. And I'm like, Oh man, what am I doing? You know, kind of that, like, what am I doing here? Type of realization. So it was really tough. What was, you had six days to, I guess, really like think about going on a mission? Like what was your biggest concern going out? You know, I was actually really excited going out, but, um, as far as concerns, um, I think just knowing what to expect, I didn't really have any concerns prior to leaving, but when I did get to the MTC, then it just really hit me. And I thought, 
I don't know if I could do this for two years, you know, this is really, yeah. Oh, definitely. I remember actually message. I had such like a kind of like identity crisis, not really like a testimony, but just like, like, why did I rush into this so fast? And so I like, you know, kind of like emailed my mom. I'm like, ah, I just don't know about like, like, you know, I don't know if I'm really prepared kind of a thing to go, but she kind of calmed me down. And as time goes by, you know, you kind of just get more adapted. But then once I got to the mission field, I was a lot better as far as being homesick. You know, I wasn't as homesick on so the mission field. the homesickness really hit hard in the MTC. Yeah. That's when it was. And yeah. you didn't have to learn a language. So you were in the MTC for how many days? Uh, I did actually. You did? I was, uh, yeah, I was Spanish speaking. Oh, I didn't know that. So I was in the MTC for uh, six weeks. Okay. Which was death. <laughs> you know, honest. It, it's interesting how like yeah. some people really loved their MTC experience. And then obviously if you're going through some sort of like homesickness and stuff like that, you know, that's like, yeah, I can understand how you would equate your mission or your MTC experience to, yeah. to traumatizing, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a great, that's a great way to put it. So you mentioned you had some homesickness. How, how did you cope with it? What advice would you give to a missionary that's going through something that you went through right now? Um, I remember my brother, Paul, he wrote me a really good letter and he, he was just saying, he's like, I'm telling you the, the months will, will feel like days and the days will feel like months. So whatever you do, don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about next week. Don't think about the next year. Just, just worry about today. You know, just, just worry about today. And I think that was like the biggest thing that I did because I can have control over what I think about. So I just thought, just just worry about today. And uh, honestly, just doing that day after day really, really helped. And then all of a sudden a week goes by, a month, you know, two months, three months. So that was the biggest advice that helped me during the MTC to get through that homesickness. Day at a time. Yeah. That's wise. And when you're in the MTC, you met someone that would be also going to your mission. Who was that? Uh, my mission president. What were your first thoughts when you met? Is President Bell, right? President yeah. Sister Bell. What were your first thoughts of them? And Yeah. Well, that whole experience, you know, they trained the mission presidents uh, while at the MTC and they told us, hey, some of your mission presidents are here. So in groups, you guys can go and meet them. And so they said, okay, you're going to Kansas. You go to room 302. So I go to that room and no one's in there. And I, and for some reason, I just thought, I don't want to be the first one in there. So I took a lap around like the floor and I'm like, okay, hey, let me just wait it out. See if anyone else, is, anyone else is coming, go back in there. No one shows up. So I just go and sit down there. And then, and then someone pops their head open. They're like, Hey, are you going to Kansas? Yes. And then they come walking in. They're like, Hey, how's it going? And I was the only missionary going to Kansas. In there. the whole MTC? Yeah. Oh, wow. At that time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, pretty bizarre, but I was really relieved because they were really nice and just you know, really encouraging and kind of made me have like hope that it was going to be fine, you know, and that mission, the mission was going to be great. So it was a real big breath of fresh air. Did you go to the mission before they did? Um, as far as getting there? Yeah. yeah. Like a transfer early or something. Um, no, they got there. And then I think I showed up about a week later. What happened was it was the Missouri independence mission and the Colorado Springs mission and they each covered like half of Kansas and then they came and made that brand new whole mission. When, oh, okay. And your mission president and you went out. You're right. Yeah. And maybe this isn't 
I've heard that the mission presidents, they all go in like July or June. Or, right. And then I heard that all the apostles come and do, perform the sacrament. You're talking in the MTC? In the MTC and pass the sacrament. To them. Maybe that's not, maybe that doesn't happen anymore or I don't know. Did you, did you hear anything like that? or? I think I actually did hear that about them serving it to the mission presidents. Yeah. You know, of course, not to us, but I, I actually did hear... Um, that's cool. Hear them talk about that. Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, I remember seeing a, um, President Oak's car. I'm like, man, that guy has a nice ride. How do you know it was his car? You're like, oh, that's, uh, that's because a car I was, I was, his license plate said like the Oaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I saw, Prez Oaks. I saw him, uh, walking from his car into the building when we were going to like, what was I, it? Uh, you know, it was a, I can't remember what car. <laughs> it just looked really nice. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not much of a car. I don't know too many cars, but it was, it was really it's nice. like a Honda Civic. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get to your mission. Can you like paint a picture of what Kansas looks like? Yeah. It's, you know how, when you think of Kansas, you think of wheat fields. Uh-huh. That that's all of Western Kansas, but in Wichita, Kansas, it's just grass and green everywhere. And it's really flat. There's no mountains but it's just really green for as far as you can look. And it's just completely flat. And that's probably the best. Like when you say completely flat, you're talking like horizon to yeah. horizon. You can't see a mountain anywhere. Oh that's, yeah. That's where all the flat earth people live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So with that comes wind chill, a lot of wind, you know, tornado season. Oh yeah. And Wichita's in that tornado valley. What was unique about the people in their traditions that, you had an experience other than pancake Phoenix. day. Yeah. Other than pancake. Yeah. Which is really unique. <laughs> yeah, I was that's say. awesome. <laughs> um, I would have to say one thing I've noticed about them is, you know, I'll just be transparent in Kansas. There's not, you don't hear much about Kansas, right? No. You know, there's not much going on there. There's a lot of like farm and like really calm people. So they're really nice. You know, they're really, uh, nice to you. And even if I, I'm sure I've gotten yelled at, of course, like who hasn't as a missionary, but they're, they're pretty nice people. And, uh, there's a lot of meatpacking plants all throughout the state. So I ate meat, you know, like I would say two to four times a week consistently. That like, was like, like a, like, like steak burgers or just uh, like in any, yeah, all of that. Wow. Yeah. I had one Bishop. He served us a huge thick piece of steak every Sunday for like three months straight. He would have all the missionaries <laughs> over. Yeah. He, it was like real deal. So there's a, a lot of dairy. Yeah. A lot of grain, right? Corn. Yeah. A lot of uh, grain. They have a lot of these uh, ethanol plants. Okay. One, one of my, that bishop I was just talking about, he owned an ethanol plant. And so there's lots of those. Uh, and actually what Kansas is known for is, um, is the, the railroad track system. So what it is, is like, like they're since they're right in the middle of the United States uh-huh. and this town I served in called Newton was kind of like the grand, like centralized like station. A hub. Yeah. It was like a hub for all these, uh, um, for the, what's that union specific? Yeah. Union Pacific called? railway. Yeah. So it's kind of like a hub for like transportation of like grain and that's cool. Yeah. All this stuff. That is cool. What? So you ate a lot of normal things. What was the weirdest thing you ate? Um, Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> and uh, for all the 18-year-olds who <laughs> don't know what that is and just got their mission called to Kansas, what is it? It's uh, bull balls. Bull testicle, that's yeah. right. <laughs> do, do you eat that with barbecue sauce or how do you? 
Yeah, mine was deep fried, you know, and and I ate a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then they told they, me what they it told was. me to stop. Oh, like, it was like it's a, it tastes oh, like a chicken no. nugget. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like these from McDonald's are great, <laughs> but uh, yeah, then they told me what it was, and I just felt like sick because it was like totally deep fried. And and then the guy, this guy showed us um, how they make it, like from bowl to, to product, plate to plate. <laughs> and I was just like, this is not helping at all. So that was actually pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Was uh, it at a member's house or just like at a restaurant? No, it was this big uh, like carnival oh, okay. type of like convention thing. And we, we showed up <laughs> and there's a few members that saw us. And so they gave us some. Yeah, that's awesome. So I kind of want to fast forward a bit because you, you you had this crazy jump of high school mission being homesick. What was the turning point for you of like, I'm here on, I'm on a mission and I'm excited to be here. I'm you know, happy about it. Yeah, I actually remember that being a specific day. Because what what was keeping me so homesick was this uh this girl that I was riding. Oh and, and your I high never, school girlfriend. Yeah. And I never uh like felt a need to bring it up, but I'm thinking right now, you know, I'm sure there's a there's a kid out there listening who's probably gonna feel bad that he's not gonna have you know, he's worried about her or whatever. So we were writing pretty consistently and honestly you know, she was really nice about writing me a lot during the MTC because she knew I was having a hard time. But by the time I got to the mission field and after my first transfer there, it had been like three months and we only dated for like a couple months, you know, and, but we were still writing. And I remember, uh, like the first or my last week of my first transfer, I was like getting pretty into the mission, you know, like you just kind of forget about home because you're so busy. focused. Yeah, you're so busy. And uh, and every, I remember every Monday I would get a letter from her. And I remember I just woke up that one Monday and I just had the feeling, um, I don't know if I'll get a letter from her. And, and I didn't get one from her that day. And then like the spirit told me or I just had the idea um, and I just accepted that. That was the last time I'm going to hear from her. And uh, and it was for, for about a year. And then she wrote me like a, just like one letter a year later. But that was kind of like the turning point because I remember feeling, you know what? I'm actually not sad at all. Like I'm, I'm fine. You know, I shouldn't expect her to wait for me. I know that's not going to happen. And it's about time that I move on. Cause it's been three months. So that was like the real turning point. I remember specifically. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you kind of had one foot in each, each door. Know, yeah. One, one right. at home, one on the mission and you put in the mission and close the door and yeah. went on. Yeah. So who were who were some of the people that you met that had an impact on you? Um yeah, that's a good question. I guess like are there are there certain areas that you served in that like you hold dear like years years later that are just ingrained on you? Yeah. My so what happened was I got on the mission field, my first area um was there for one transfer and then uh, there's a situation that happened in another area that was really uh, like the um, outside of the mission, like towards like where the boundaries were. And they had to ET me over there because they had to, you know, some elder went home. And so I kind of got like abruptly transferred out. And that area was liberal. That was where I was talking about. And I ended up being there for seven and a half months. And then I finished my mission there for another oh, wow. four and a half months. So you went back. Yeah. 
So I was there for like a year total <laughs> and the members there were really great people. And that was a cool area because my first, that first seven and a half months was pretty hard for me. That's a know. long time. Yeah. And it was, it that's was four or five transfers. That's five transfers. Yeah. I, I had my second trainer there and then we were, and then, uh, so I finished my training and then we stayed companions and then I trained a new elder for two transfers and then he left. And then I trained in a new guy and another new guy for one transfer. And then I left and then wow. someone came in. That's yeah. a long time. So that area was special because I had a pretty hard time. You know, I, I was kind of in like a, a drought as far as um, helping people get baptized. And I kind of had like a, almost like a crisis kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to get a baptism kind of thing, you know? And just cause some guys that came so naturally to them, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so jealous, like envious, you know? And so that, that area was kind of like, you know, my call it like your Gethsemane area. I don't know what, what people call it, but then I, I went on to a different area and, uh, and saw success, you know, in other areas. And then when I came back, I had it, I had success, but that first time was so hard for that was, me. That was the furnace right there. Yeah. And it didn't help that it was freezing. You know, what happens in Kansas is let's say that the weather is 20 degrees, 25 degrees with the wind chill, it drops it about another 20 to 30 degrees, 20 to 30 degrees. So it was, it was really hard. Pretty miserable. Yeah. So our missions overlapped a bit and we would email each other back and forth. And I remember there was times when you were writing and it sounded like you just had an awesome, successful mission able to help a lot of people out. Tell us about the family from Walmart. Oh yeah. So I was in a, a area called garden city and what happened? Uh, so I was, um, I was a zone leader in that area and one of the sisters, it was like her birthday. And so, uh, we went to go get a cake for her and we showed up at Walmart and the lady was helping us out. She, she started asking us questions. She's like, why are you guys dressed up over oh, missionaries? Um, and she's oh, like, what, what church? And we all oh, the church, you know, this and that. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, anyways, uh, do you have chocolate? <laughs> no. <laughs> asking me questions. I'm here yeah. for cake. I'm, I'm like, please, I'm trying to focus. <laughs> no. So she was really interested and she's like, well, I want you guys to come by. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. Sure. So we go by and we end up talking to her kids and they were mostly ages from 16 to like 21. But when we went there, she was standoffish and her kids were receptive. Anyways, we finally invited her to come in, got teaching them. And, and it was kind of like the whole family, um, got baptized. What was cool about her story is the day before she got baptized, she had a friend and, uh, just a friend of a different church. That's also very, uh, also very outgoing to missionary work. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, she told her, she was trying to talk her out of it. And so Carmina, that was her name. She was really conflicted what she should do, kind of having, you know, second guesses. And she prayed. Uh, she's like, Heavenly Father, if uh, I should get baptized, then I will not hear from my friend about not getting baptized because I've heard from her every day, all day for weeks straight. And she hasn't given up. But... um you know, if I shouldn't get baptized, then I'll hear from her. And the day before she got baptized, she didn't hear from her friend. So she got baptized and they actually ended up moving up to Utah for her daughters to go to Utah state. So I've actually visited them a couple of times. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. What about the Kansas state football game? Oh, that's a cool story. 
Um, I served in, is a town called Manhattan, Kansas, and it was where Kansas State University is. The Wildcats, right? Yeah. Big football team, huge stadium. And I told one of my old bishops that, okay, his name is Bishop Willis. When I say bishop, I'm referring to one guy. His name is Bishop Willis. Okay. And he was from liberal. So I, and he told, he told us long ago that he had season tickets there. So I emailed him saying that I was there. And so he sent me uh, tickets to go and I'm like, uh, I can't go, <laughs> you know, but then I, uh, we were having interviews with our mission president and I asked him and I'm like, yeah, Bishop Willis sent me uh, football tickets. And he's like, oh, you should go. And so it was me, one of the assistants, my companion and a member that we were teaching or no, sorry, uh, an investigator that we were teaching. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So all, all four of us went and a member as well or how many, uh, yeah, it was all of us went. And so it was, it was a good time. We went there for it was like, your, you taught a lesson at a football game. Yeah. It was actually pretty sweet. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's half time. Let's uh, watch this video real quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a cool story. Did you know in the year 1820? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right during halftime. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. whenever, I think about, at least for my mission, I know I did a lot of tracting to find people. Yeah. But then in reading your letters, it sounded like you found a lot of people, but it wasn't through tracting. Like, yeah. How did you do missionary work? What worked for you? Well, I think I would have done track tracking a lot more, except our mission president, he didn't really talk about doing that a lot and he didn't really advise us to. And so we did a lot of um, working with old investigators and mostly like, you know, teaching people that we found along the way, you know, we always try to bike and walk when we can, so we can knock doors around there. So we knocked a lot of doors. We just didn't do like, we're going to do this street this and this section street. and this section. Yeah. 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 So, so we always knocked like the five doors around, you know, if we were looking for someone and just spark up a conversation then. It was more just people are out and about and those were the people that you found and taught. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say that for the most part. Yeah. Um, did you have any companions that, or at least I know you had a special companion that he had a unique relationship with. Can, can you tell us about him? Yeah. He was the first companion I trained and what I saw, at least in my mission, what was it, his name? Uh, Elder Herrera. Okay. And what I saw on my mission was a lot of these elders who would train other missionaries. There was always one elder that I, I swear they're like, they just got along so well. And I saw it in so many companionships, you know, where it's just like that one elder, either you're just a companion with him or you're training with him, but they like, they're like blood brothers. And he was kind of like that with me, you know, where we didn't have to try super hard to, you know, laugh together or get each other. But, you know, we, we got along really well and it was just, it was really fun working with him. Yeah. And I, and I always saw that. I always saw at least one companionship where, those two guys just got along like so well, like best friends, you know? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it was, oh, I'm training this elder and I'm training him because he's very similar to me in a way, you know? Were there any tough companions you had? Um, I would have You just, don't have to name drop those guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually only really had one that I, looking back, was a hard time getting along with. And it was actually my, uh, my second trainer, unfortunately. You know, I, I think he, you know, he, he was, he was, great looking back but um i don't know just little things he did I, I think he might have taken his like his title a little too seriously you know where i realized he was in charge of training me but you yeah know, maybe he was just like super you know he kind of held on to that title as hard as he could yeah so, i, I yeah. would say it's interesting you say that my second companion my second trainer was probably one of my hardest 
yeah. companions as well. And I think it was, for me, it was like I had gotten to know my trainer so well because, you know, you're fresh, you're a greenie, and I, I relied on him for everything. And all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah. And somebody completely new came in and it just kind of rocked my world a little bit. So I think that happens more more often than yeah, not. And, and maybe it's nothing that that second guy is a bad person or whatever. But no, just they yeah. Do, they do things differently than you were taught. Yeah, totally. And, so. and and like I said, I my my mission, my first companion, I go, we're still friends to this day. Like I just texted him yesterday and then, yeah, he comes in and just does things a little bit different. He was a native and just, he, he straight up rocked my world. <laughs> yeah. You know, that might've been it actually. That's a good point. I never thought about it. How, you know, you have your first companion and it's your first companion in the mission field. He like introduces you to everything, but then your second one, you're kind of like, wait, like why do you do differently than the first one? And it's just, it's kind of a shocker. So I've never really asked this question. What, what did you, after your whole entire mission, after all is said and done, what did you get? What did you take home from having served with so many different types of people? What did that teach you? Um, you know, honestly, it, it, it was actually, um, it was actually a really good, uh, lesson because it actually taught me how, how strong the church is in other young people's lives rather than just me. You know, you kind of grow up thinking like, yeah, I'm a unique, I'm a unique person. Like I have all this uh, adversity in high school and, but I'm, I'm holding true to the, true, true to the word. But when you go on your mission you realize there's hundreds, <laughs> you yeah. know, but in a good way, like they've prepared themselves to, to, to be valiant and to serve good missions. So it's actually like kind of relieving. You're like, wow, there's a lot of good people out here that are just trying to, you know, spread the gospel just like me. I think that was a, one of the big th- biggest things I took away for sure. As you were serving, in, in what ways did your testimony grow the most? Mm, you know, I, I didn't really read the Book of Mormon a lot before my mission. I always had a strong conviction of the church from filling the spirit really strongly at certain times, but I never really read the Book of Mormon, you know, and I understood what the restoration was, but not really at the same time, you know, like. I just, I didn't really know the events that transpired and what it actually meant. And so I would think walking away from the mission is just having a full understanding of what the Book of Mormon is. And uh, I know know this probably sound great, but how interesting of a book it is, you know, instead of just looking at scripture, I I look at it as like history at the same time. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting. You know, it's, it's crazy what these guys went through and, their adversary, you know, an adversity to overcome, you know, why can't uh, I overcome this and that, you know? So. That's interesting. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody put it that way, but that's kind of how I look at it too. I, I like the, when it says like between 500 AD and, and 550 AD or something like that. And then like in my mind, I'm like, okay, what, what else is happening in the world that science has told us all the the Aztecs or the Mayans or the Incas this, you know, and, and it's just really interesting that when you, when you put it on a, on a, on a line, mm-hmm. a linear line where you can actually identify with the history rather than like the old Testament or the new Testament, which seems like so long ago. Yeah. You know, it, it makes the book of Mormon a little bit more relatable. Yeah. That's a good point. I've always looked at those dates a, a, like a ton and that always helps me get a lot of uh reference, you know, yeah, like totally. what the, what the scripture saying. So you you had that experience with President and Sister Bell meeting them in the MTC. What were what were some of the lessons that they taught you as a missionary that you've held on to? 
<clears throat> yeah, my mission president was always really optimistic and positive. Every meeting that we had, he would start off by saying, you guys are the best district in the whole mission. This is the best mission in the whole world. You guys are the best district in this zone, you know, things like that. And at first I, you know, I'd always be like, yeah, he's just saying that, but you know, like that positive and optimism, you know, really made an impact on me. And, and I, and I say that to this day, like when we have uh, meetings with our coaches, I honestly say we're the best gym in the whole state of Utah. Cause I do believe that. But then I say, you guys are, you know, we have the best members ever. We have the best, you know, and, and it could sound kind of like arrogant, I guess, but arrogant or like delusional, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little delusional. Like, obviously that's not true, but I think just, just seeing someone be like so confident and like positive like that, it kind of feeds off. You kind of feed off yeah, of it. The, the energy breeds higher energy. Exactly. So that's what I got from it. Like that, that energy of, of just being positive and confident, you know, you're like, yeah, hey, so, we are good. So you've applied that to your gym. Did you ever have to apply that to missionaries? Yeah. I think especially in some areas where not a lot was going on or, where it's just like this old rusty town with 5,000 people in it. And these missionaries are like, what am I doing here? And you have to give them some kind of like of a vision or being yeah. optimistic about it or else they're not going to get excited. So I would definitely use that. Yeah. I, I don't like talking about myself, but I will. My mission president was similar in that way. And whenever we talked about other missionaries, I, I served in some leadership positions. Whenever we talked about other missionaries, like just, just about anyone in life, you can focus on the good things or the bad things. But if you talk about the things that they're good at, then you start to look at them in a more positive light and eventually you see them more as heavenly father sees them and makes, it makes serving them and loving them so much easier than if you're like, Oh, this person's whatever. Yeah. He keeps on messing up. Inconvenient trait to me is. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, what's, what were some of the miracles that you saw in Kansas? Um, one miracle that I thought about kind of driving over here and thinking about like some highlights. Cause you know, years go by and like the dreams kind of start fading, like the memories kind of start fading away if you don't, you know, keep them updated. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was my first area after liberal the first time when I really just kind of, you know, you went through the furnace. Yeah. I went through the furnace, new area, got there. And I remember one of the assistants, he was a really good, he did a really good job about being optimistic. I remember talking to him. I'm like, elder daily. I'm like, where am I going? You know, it just, you know, it was like, the night before transfers ever. And, uh, and he just told me, he's like, dude, you are going to love your next area. And I, and I remember the, the way he said it. Cause I was like, Oh heck yeah, I am going to love it. So I get there and there is this, uh, this guy that the missionaries have been working on for years. And he was kind of like a best friend of a, of a member, like an eternal investigator. Yeah. Like, he, he was, <laughs> like my dad, he, he, he was, he was like 22. He knew about the church, but you know, I remember getting in there and, we went and visited him and, you know, we just, we got along really well, kind of, kind of like the whole like blood brother kind of thing. And we, we joked around with him really well. And, and now honestly, I don't know how we were able to get him baptized, but we did. And I remember kind of thinking like sitting with him right before he got baptized. Or something. And he had been taught by, for years by missionaries. Yeah. You know, and I think the real difference was, you know, we just kind of went at it as a, at a different approach, not so structured with him. Mm-hmm. And we were just, you know, kind of relate. And we, we visit him every morning to kind of like read scriptures with him. 
And so that was like, he's a great guy that I actually saw, I think six months ago in Utah, he was there for something and yeah, we, we stay in contact. So he, he's a really cool guy. Awesome. He, has, he has his own like barber shop, you know, he's an entrepreneur also. So we always like throw ideas at each other. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's important to know that, you know, if you're a missionary serving or you're going to, you know, you're putting in your papers and one of the, you're going to run into those quote unquote eternal companions, yeah. right? And investigators. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Eternal investigators. Eternal and, companions, <laughs> your wife. <laughs> yeah. You might run into your eternal companion. Or your husband if you're a female. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the eternal investigator. You'll, you'll run into people like that, right? And it's very yeah. easy as a missionary to be, to kind of like write it off and being like, oh, he's been taught for 20 years. I'm going to go focus on go find that person who's never heard of the gospel or whatever. But sometimes it's those people that, like you said, Mark, you talk to them a little bit different and you know, you, you treat, you go, you go about it a totally different way. And you, you realize really quick that they've just been prepared for so long. It's just, they haven't been pushed over the edge, you know? So I remember getting to that point of my mission where, you know, I had looked back and said, dang, I, I, I potentially had missed a lot of opportunities from those eternal investigators. And that's like preach yeah. my gospel where it's teach people, not lessons. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think to go along with, with Zach's point, there was also a lot of people where, where they, they had been working, they had been working with missionaries for a while. And I really feel like I tried to do my part, but I realized like, you know, after leaving, I'm like, man, like it's too bad. I wasn't that missionary, but you know, you know, like missionary work is such a combined effort. Yeah, totally. You know, and that, that was always my approach on the mission. Like, you know, either I'm going to harvest the seeds or plant them or just kind of nurture them, but mm-hmm. I'm just there to do my part, you know? Yeah. But yeah. You can't, and that's the the frustrating thing about missionary work is transfers are typically six weeks long. So <laughs> yeah. you might be in an area for one, two, three, you were in an area, you were in liberal for five mm-hmm. and then went back. But anyways, as a missionary, you're like, okay, this transfer, I'm like four people are getting baptized and I will make it happen. It's like, you can't make that happen. No, like that, totally. It's their life. Right. But you, you do all the work to, you know, provide that opportunity uh-huh. for sure. And yeah. I remember a lot of people on my mission would get kind of bent out of shape if they had a baptism, you know, and then all of a sudden they got transferred and it's like, dude, you have to realize what, what's going on. They're still going to get baptized. You know, you're going to do yeah. other and greater things. I remember, yeah, one of my areas we, I had, I'd left literally like, the Wednesday before the Friday. So like two days before we had a baptismal date and the guy ended up getting baptized and is a solid member of the church. But it's like, yeah, I like what you said. It's a combined effort. You know, it's not, there's a lot of different parts that are moving. Yeah. And you know, what's funny about that is that guy is always going to look back on you and remember Zach was the missionary that taught me, you know, that that's just, and and so even if you're not going to be there for the actual, yeah, the, People never forget or, the person that yeah, you know, opened you know. their eyes to the gospel. Yeah, yeah. and that, oh gosh, I, I, you, you keep on sparking all these things. And again, I don't mean to take the mic forever, but I just think it's so important for young missionaries to understand and realize that, I mean, Mark hit the hit the nail on the head. There, you're either planting the seeds or you're harvesting the crops, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no, in my mind, there's no such thing as like feast or famine, you know, on your mission. As long as you're teaching and getting to know people, and building those relationships and being a good example for the church, you know, it, you've done your job. Yeah. Snowball runs downhill. Field is just, light. Exactly. Yeah. It just keeps getting bigger it's, and bigger. It's, it's team Jesus. It's like you're, you're <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually want to bring up a, a kind of a, a separate point that I just remembered. I remember, and, and maybe some missionaries experienced this, but I remember in one area, it was in Liberal when I first got there, they, they were kind of, uh, 
you know, it was like a six months or eight months prior, uh, you know, missionaries that were, you know, it, it was just like, it was an old area before the, the new mission change mm. and the missionaries were, were just, you know, pretty lackadaisical there. And so I think the members kind of looked at the missionaries differently. And so I thought like, yeah, I don't want to be one of those guys that comes in and thinks like, I'm going to just change everything. I'm going to resurrect this area. But I thought, how can we help them trust us? And I remember my dad said, he said, one of the missionaries that I've always looked up to that was serving in our home ward gateway yeah, was this, uh, his name was Elder Christensen, just because he was, they were always outside biking and you would see them outside all the time working. And he said, especially in a small town like that, yeah, your efforts will be very visible. And I thought, I don't know if that's true. But then as time went on, members always kept commenting like, hey, we saw you outside like biking or and they would see it outside, see us outside all the time. So even though when I first got there, I didn't necessarily, you know, bring anyone new into that ward. The members were always really nice and like grateful for us because they just wanted to see a couple young guys before good, honest effort and working hard. And so I think that's also a good point to notice that um, as far as like working with members and ward, you know, like they, it's just, you just kind of looked at differently when they see you really like putting your shoulder to the wheel outside. Oh, absolutely. It's huge because you're asking them to send people that they've had intimate conversations. Like, what do you believe yeah. in life? And these people are asking, you know, maybe they want to learn more about the church and then they're going to hand them off to an 18, 19, 20 year old. And if if the 18, 19, 20 year old isn't, you know, serious about the work, what makes you think you're going to get those conversations? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, so you left liberal and why did you go back to liberal? What was there a new assignment or no? And was that hard for you? Because you had, it was, you went through a furnace there and then you're going back. Like, was there this mental, like, ah, Oh geez. Um, was it like Ammonaiha where he's like, nope, you got to go back? <laughs> yeah. What I do you mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. My my mission president, he he always liked to have uh, missionaries kind of finish out their mission in areas that they maybe started off with or were kind of known for being in, if possible. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, I don't know if you would even call it like that anymore, but I, I, I when I went back there, it was like a brand new, it was a zone now. You know, they transferred, changed some of the, yeah, they changed the zone location to the city of liberal. And, um, and he honestly told me that he, he wanted me to, uh, like train a couple, a new, uh, two new elders to, to be zone leaders. So I was with one elder for two transfers and then he left and then a new elder. And, um, I guess maybe if, if any reason that was it, or he just thought I would like to go finish my mission there. Did you like to go finish your mission there? Or yeah. You like, yeah, uh. I did just, just because the members were, uh, just so unique and really, and like, and it was kind of like coming home. It was like, it was like a pre homecoming, you know, like I remember getting oh, back yeah. there and That's cool. like, Oh, we heard you coming back. That's awesome. You know? And then I knew the area really well and I knew member or like possible investigators maybe to visit and also some to not waste time with mm. at the same time. So it was really cool going back for sure. Nice. So you're out and you served one, you, you, you served in Kansas, you're from Phoenix and the high school you went to didn't have too many members of the church, right? Yeah. Probably like 50. Probably like 50. Yeah. But there's a kid that comes from your high school that, you know, tell yes. us about that. Um, yeah. My, and this is in liberal. 
this was or this is earlier. This was in Manhattan. Okay, so this is earlier on the mission. This is where early. Kansas State's at. Yeah, so um, my uh, my best friend gets called to Kansas as well. And when you say best friend, you mean like your best friend? No, or just I, like I a kid say, you grew up with? No, I would have to say like we had a group of five buddies. So you're pretty close, guy, guys that were all the same age, and yeah, we were really close. Okay, that's that 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 falls under the umbrella. Yeah. So what happened was I got I get my call February of thirteen, and he gets his call March, and he calls me, and I was actually in a in, a, in my high school class, but I just left. I'm like, ah, oh, this is worth it, and uh, <laughs> he's like, dude, guess what? I got my mission call to, and I thought, I don't know, like, why would you call me? You know. He's like, dude, I got call my I got my call to Kansas. And I just thought, you're kidding me. You know? <laughs> and I remember when we first saw each other on the mission, we just thought, like, man, like this is crazy. But then our, our mission president found out that we were friends in high school. And so he he liked the idea. He's like, Oh, I want to make you guys campaigns. That'd be awesome. So we were both uh ZLs in Manhattan. And it was so cool. We were companions during Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. That's so cool. <laughs> and it was, it, we were honestly a stone's throw away from the university. So we would go in the morning, like the open track and kind of work out there and stuff. But looking back, you know, I, I always, we, we still talk about it cause we're still really close to the day. You know, we both live up in Utah and to this day, we, we sometimes bring it up that there wasn't anything like extraordinarily amazing that happened that transfer you know, we taught a few people. One, this one of the, one of these ladies that we taught ended up getting baptized. She worked with the sisters, but you know, I don't know. Maybe that truth will kind of unfold itself in the next, you know, throughout our lives of why we were companions. But it was just a really cool experience for sure. That's interesting because we've had we've had companions, yeah, on the podcast. And something that I thought on my mission was like, I think everyone thinks like, man, it'd be so cool if I had like my best friend with me serving right now and it's like why can't your companion like why can't yeah. you just like kind of yeah. manufacture this best friend relationship for the time you're together totally and when you can then like the work's just fun and you're you're team jesus and maybe you're planting the seeds or whatever mm -hmm. but something will come of it for sure yeah and i think when we were companions we were already in the mission long enough that our like memories of high school weren't really like vibrant anymore yeah you didn't really like focus yeah. on oh dude remember this yeah. yeah so if anything it was just nice because we just got straight to the point and we kind of like threw out all the pleasantries of like being, com uh, becoming new pain campaigns. Where, all right, let's just get to work. And we were just, you know, really upfront oh, with cool. each other and really yeah, yeah. bold, you know, and we could, but we could take it because it, it wasn't personal. Yeah. You know? I, I was going to ask, was there any, any moments? And it sounds like there were, where you had to be like, Hey, like you need to work on this or like, I, or maybe he called you out on something or. <laughs> yeah. I think there, <clears throat> I think there are a couple of times <clears throat> where uh, we just, I don't know. We felt like we were, I can't remember anything specifically, but if something was on his mind, he was not afraid to tell me that I was that, you know, uh, we probably shouldn't do this probably waste of time. And, you know, and, and I take kind of that kind of feedback pretty easily. I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. So it, it, if anything, that was nice because we didn't have to worry. Are we offending them? Cause we knew that we could both take it, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. You, you said that and it, it makes me remember about all the times on my mission where I got a new companion. And like you said, there's these pleasantries of getting to know him. There's like two weeks of like, yeah, you, how are we like, going to mesh? Yeah. And, you know, what, uh, who's pacing, how does yeah. he respond or how does he teach? You know, how do we pass each other the lessons, you know, and you start practicing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that would be cool if, uh, you know, you guys just, you already knew each other. You had to toss all that aside and they said straight. 
Yeah. And this specific friend, his name is Ethan. He He's a really hard worker and he's really focused and he's a really smart guy too. But what's nice about him is he's not high maintenance at all. You know, he's really like kind of simple and like his kind of needs. I mean, yeah, I, like most of his like shoes and clothes was like from thrift stores around Kansas just because he thought it was fun and cool. Uh-huh. So he, he was just so easy to be around. So it was actually a really good time being companions with him. Just real quick, did do you... Did you have anybody from your hometown serving your mission, Jordan? The girl that I sat by in elementary, or elementary, gosh, in seminary, <laughs> my seminary partner came to my mission. And it was funny because I was complaining. I was like, every missionary in my mission is from Utah yeah. or from Idaho. I was okay. like, can we get someone from Mesa? <laughs> sure enough, the girl I sat right next to. So I, now have you known anybody who has since been called to your mission? No. How about you, Mark? Was there, I mean, obviously you served with a kid that you grew up with. Did you know any, have you heard of anybody else getting called to your um, mission? Only because I live in Provo in Utah and like, you know, mission calls are all over the place. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, that makes there's sense. been kind of like a friend of a friend. Oh, he went to Kansas, but oh, actually, you know what? I, <laughs> just I, a random question. I did know a girl and I actually kind of like went on a few dates with her up in Utah and she served in Kansas, but she had a new mission president. Oh yeah. And okay. I'm like, all right, don't talk to me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was one, there was one kid from my hometown, from my high school. And he, he left within like two transfers of me getting there. We went on a, on a split once. I just knew who he was just by seeing him, but it didn't, like, cool. it didn't, it didn't like make me any more comfortable to be there. I just like, oh, that, that guy looks kind of familiar. Right. Sure enough, yeah, that's the funny thing about a mission that we haven't talked much about on this podcast is you leave home and you can be whoever you want to be. And like you're you, like whatever the weight that you had at home of like people see me this way. It's like not out here. Like yeah. I represent Jesus and I'm the coolest kid I know and yeah. like, I'm going to kill it. And that, I, I like talking to people now and it, you just change your identity so fast. One of my uncles, that was the, literally like the the last thing he said to me on my farewell before I left was you can be whoever you want to be right now. It's your, the rest of your life starts right now. I was like, Oh geez, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? That's cool. But the funny thing is you can do that every day. Like yeah. I'm, I have the faith in Nephi now. Boom. I decided. Like that's how, that's how I am. You know? And what's nice about a mission Good, is. Congrats, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's you're all, you're all dressed in the same. You all have the name tag. Like it's, you're all kind of like, you can kind of just blend in to be someone brand new if you really want to, you know? So that's a great point. So ref, like kind of your mission ended and more looking back, like what, what about mission life do you miss the most? I always loved the structure of the schedule. You know, I feel like I'm kind of at my peak when I have a set structure for that day. A routine. Yeah. So I, I, I miss that and like that, that, that kind of level of accountability. The structure sure. and the planning. Yeah. Planning's huge on a mission. To plan out every single hour of your day is something most yeah. people have never done. And before. believe believe it or not, one thing I do miss is not having to worry at all about like What's going on online? <laughs> what do like, you mean, believe it or not? I totally believe that. <laughs> you know, yeah, just because, you know, I do use my phone a lot, yeah. you know, for work and for like just hanging out like games or I guess I don't really game too much on my phone, but you know, social media. Yeah. But I like loved, I remember, I actually remember the, the feeling like give my, my phone to my, my mom and dad when I was on my mission. And I remember feeling just like so like good and like detached yeah, it's just and, free. Yeah, and you you can focus so much better. You're not distracted. Yeah, you're not distracted. So I miss like being able just to kind of throw off like 
certain responsibilities or like even like forms of entertainment just to be able to focus more. Yeah. Nice. And that, that's the thing, Zach, you told me this before I went on my mission. This is like the Uh-oh. one thing I'll ever <laughs> say, but you said like, whatever happens at home, like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah I, you, you told me that too, actually. Oh, I dang, guys. I, I feel so that. like knowledge. My heart, right. I'm going to, I'm welling up right now. <laughs> I don't know if you told me that before or like wrote, or like wrote, it wrote it to me in some way, but I remember hearing that from you before I left. And just so everybody knows, I'm not that much older than these guys. I just had served yeah. before them, but it's so true. And I told Jordan's little brother, the same thing who's serving in Tennessee right now. I said, look, and you know, being homesick or whatever, it's like, look, anything that happens at home, it doesn't matter. Okay. Your dad's still going to work every single day. Your Jordan's mom is still buying 500,000 gallons of milk and 30,000 pounds of cheese. I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, But it's so true. Life continues. Right. And so it's like, you're not missing much. Yeah. You're not. Don't, don't ever think that you are, you know, in, in the most positive way. I couldn't agree more. So another question, like reflecting back, what's something that you learned or realized about yourself that you didn't know before your mission? Um, This kind of is a funny answer, but I realized that I I, I had a lot more energy and like kind of grit than I did just just because I'm looking back. And I remember my first, my last couple of areas, my last few months, not so much that I was like, Oh, I'm getting tired, but more so I feel like I just had a lot going on, you know, just cause different like responsibilities that I had and I really wanted to just like keep like, you know, pushing it more and more and like getting more lessons taught and this and like that. I remember in some instances we were, we'd be teaching someone in the, in the afternoon and I would be so like exhausted and tired that I literally don't close your eyes, man. I literally would, would, would turn my head and and close my eyes for like 10 seconds just because I wanted to like just like relax <laughs> for a little bit or or I always look forward to prayers because I could put my head down <laughs> and close my eyes because I was that exhausted but then again we always had a routine of coming home doing all the you know planning and this and that and then we would go on like a run and that was another thing our mission president was fine with oh evening runs yeah we would go on an evening run and then I remember waking up the next day and like the alarm would hit and I would just like flip over my sheets and like literally just like kind of jump out of bed. I'm like, let's go, you know? Yeah. And, and then I look at myself like now, like, Oh man, what, you know, I had so much energy there. What like, happened? Exactly. So that was one of the things I realized is how far I could increase on my like, you know, workload or, you know, my, yeah. Yeah. And to me that has to go with the uh, oath and covenant of the priesthood where it talks about the, the renewing of your bodies when you're doing priesthood yeah. work. And you, when you, when you're about God's work, he's going to give you some extra energy. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I need to start serving. <laughs> yeah. Get more energy. So kind of wrapping up, is there anything when, when, when your kids listen to this podcast one day, what's, what do they need to know about your mission and the impact it had on you? Um, yeah, it was by far like the best two years. And I, I remember going home thinking I, I, you know, I remember my, my plane ride home. I, uh, I was crying like pretty hard with my parents and Mary cause they came and picked me up in Kansas. Yeah. They okay. came and picked me up and I, and I was pretty sad on leaving cause I remember I was so homesick at first and I thought I want to be able to say like, I don't want to leave when it, when the time comes to, and I, and I honestly did feel that like, I, I felt like very sad that I was leaving. And so I think the biggest thing to know about my mission is, uh, 
I grew up in Kansas. Done. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Grew up in Kansas. Yeah. That's great. Mark, would you mind sharing a brief testimony of maybe the missionary work or something that you learned on your mission? And you, if you want, you can share it in Spanish. Oh, I'll probably do English for now. <laughs> okay. It's been a while. <laughs> um, I would, I would just have to say that, uh, you know, it was by far the, one of the best things I've ever done. I'm so grateful I did it in part because of a few things. Uh, I learned how to just really kind of have more Christ-like love for people I just kind of met on the go, try to sympathize with them, think more of what they're kind of going through rather than what I'm going through of the restored gospel. And I think of uh, how true that everyone needs to uh, have a relationship, a personal relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. You know, I think that's so important to be able to say, I have a personal relationship with with Heavenly Father and with my Savior, you know, like I can feel them. I could, I could understand like what's expected of me. I can feel like what, you know, how they're, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that was when I really experienced a personal relationship with them. And I think that's one of the things that um, is worthy of a mission because I guarantee you there's not very other very many other chances in life where you can have that kind of isolation that you have on your mission of being able to get that kind of stuff. So. Absolutely. Mark, thanks again for coming on. Mark was, I can vouch for Mark. He was a great missionary, very inspiring. He came home and gave the longest homecoming talk I've ever heard. Yes. I remember that. I remember that. The Bishop Brick, who I think your dad was at the Bishop Brick. <laughs> he was. We're like kicking Mark like, yeah. Hey, like you need to wrap it up. <laughs> and was, it was like a half hour. You yeah. spoke for like an hour. I, I was just so pumped up about it. And yeah, I could talk about it all, all day long. And I didn't realize 40, 50 minutes had gone by. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah. Mark that was, was actually pretty embarrassing. But yeah, that was a good, good, good memory. Well, that wraps us up. Um, Zach, any other last plugins? No. Uh, check out Mark's. It's called RX Fit. Yeah. yeah. If you're in Provo, you got a lot of elders coming home from their mission. Um, so if you want, or if you're in the area, check him out and then follow us on social media, hereby.call.com on Instagram, all spelt out as well as the website. And uh, that's it. We'll yep. keep cranking these episodes out. Thanks for coming, Mark. Yep. All right. Godspeed. Godspeed.